It's time for truth. A ministry of Truth Family Bible Church in Middleton, Idaho. It's time for truth exists to glorify God through the edification of his saints in our local church and for the benefit of the church around the world. I'm your host, Pastor Danny Steinmeier, and I am joined in studio with my friend and fellow elder at TFBC, Jim Berg. Well, welcome everyone once again to another episode of the podcast. Uh, we are glad that you have uh, joined us once again today for another exciting episode, an excursus into Christian economics and views of wealth and money and all those sorts of things. And uh, it's a wonderful time of year. Uh, hunting season is uh, wrapping up quickly and the cold is about to come in. I think we're going to have our first hard freeze. And, and I, uh, I, I know some of our uh, our friends and listeners, uh, I, I think specifically of the Coopers, who have such bad flies at their house. Um, the freeze can't come soon enough to get those flies uh, to be gone, And uh, but it's a wonderful time, the changing of the seasons. The colors are still out, but starting to fade because the leaves are falling down, and it's, uh, I just love the change of the seasons, and it's it's great to be together. And whatever time of day or whatever uh, situation you're in, we want to thank you for uh, making us part of your day. Well... Uh, before we get started into our subject for today, Jim, how are you? Yeah, doing really good. So you're right. This is the best time of year. I love the fall and I love the change in colors. Uh, the leaves are starting to come down on the yard, which means I've got to get out there and do the fall cleanup. But there were no flies on my walk this morning, 35 degrees out there and a bit chilly and until I got going, <clears throat> warmed up a little bit. It uh, it took me a little while to get going, but it, it's a beautiful weather. I love this time of year. Um, not necessarily looking forward to the winter, but it'll be a short winter. I hope. Oh, you think so? <laughs> no Groundhog prediction. Nostradamus for over here. Yeah. <clears throat> well, um, yeah, it's a it's it's a great time, a great time in our in our church as well. We're looking forward to the future, and well, it's going to be um, a great wrap up of the year as we draw things to a close and have all the the final activities of the year with our church. Well, today we are continuing in our series on Christian view of economics and what the Bible teaches about wealth and business and finances. And the subject of our episode today is uh, really, we're saying investment, and that's a kind of a loaded term, but not necessarily the type of investment that you think of today when you use the word investment, because when you talk about investments today, typically you're thinking of, well, that's stocks and portfolios and 401ks, mutual funds and the like. And that is a worthwhile topic worth discussing from a Christian perspective. I think there's a lot of misunderstandings and uh, I remember uh, a number of different people would always refer to uh, the stock market. Well, that's that's the same as gambling. Well, no, it's not. But anyway, we'll just that, that's for another day. That's not the type of investment that we're talking about. Uh, and again, we might do that at some point. But I think there are a lot of misunderstandings about uh, all those kinds of invest, uh, investments, and so we will need to bring clarity. However, we want to be talking today about investment of our resources in the direction of building the kingdom of God. Uh, or put another way, we want to talk about investing in those things that are priorities for God and in those things that are lasting. And really, uh, as you hopefully you'll understand too by the end, is it's in, it's investing in God's people. Yeah, and we talked about economics being the, you're actually stewarding, you're using what God has given us in order to build an economy, to actually take dominion over things. And so naturally part of that, after you go from what the definition of economics is, 
stewardship is how you go about doing the economy. And then the investment part is so critical because everything that we use should be for his kingdom, but not necessarily is. And I think that's what we really want to talk about today is, is like you said, not Wall Street investing, but kingdom invested. Yeah. So that's really the focus. So really, as we talk about some of the individual principles, uh, just a couple of them today, we're really talking about those things of, of eternal value. We talked last time about where your heart is and where your treasure is and what does it mean to be making uh, heavenly deposits in, into, a, into a, an eternal bank account, as it were, as opposed to just simply having your money in an earthly bank or just having earthly investments. Uh, it's having a, a, a vision for what we're using our resources, stewarding the things that God has given, to, uh, given us towards, and, and those are all, um, we've been, we're talking in the pre-podcast podcast, uh, about this idea of the reality and the connection of the physical and the spiritual, that, they're, that they are connected, and the issue of, of what are we seeking to do with our lives and our, the resources for the sake of spiritual value for, the, uh, for God's honor and for our uh, reward, our benefit with him. Yeah, and hopefully I'm not stealing your thunder, but we talk about we talk about growth in Christ or or you know, big Evo to talk about the grace side of God and how justification, sanctification, and glorification is all by grace. And that is a truth. But we also talk about our role in it that we have to actively participate. We have to be strong. We have to take every thought captive. Investing is very similar. It, it, it's very interesting the, the parallels there because you know, we are to bring the attitude and what we have to God, and then he chooses to bless us or not based on what he wants to do for his kingdom. So it's an interesting concept in parallel that is drawn there. Yeah, and we'll get to there, especially towards the end, because uh, we'll really see that it, it isn't about being rich. Right. Because there are people who give out of their poverty, Paul points out, right. and they begged to be able to be a part even though we don't have much to offer, can we please be a part? Right. Because, and, and there is a, always going to be a blessing. Right. The question is, uh, at what at what level are you receiving that blessing? Right. Some of that will be physical and spiritual. Some of it will be um, just spiritual. Right. And, uh, and we'll have to understand some of those things. Some of it is wisdom, which is spiritual, but the reality is yeah. it's, it's, that's an inheritance to the next generation. It's, we, it's joy, right? It's it's common sense, you know, right. yeah. all the things that are, are, to build off of, if you build those in, those are investments. So, well, today we want to talk about these investments and really the principle of generosity is really the place to start. Last week, again, we talked about that matter of the heart's relationship to money, where we place value and what we treasure. But today we want to talk about the concepts of generosity and sowing and reaping in the best things for the best reasons. Our key text for our discussion today is Proverbs 11 24 to 25. So again, this is speaking about investments, and then it's also going to be talking about generosity. Verse 24 says, There is one who scatters and yet increases all the more, and there is one who withholds what is justly due, and yet it results only in want. The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. Really interesting imagery, uh, very much uh, farming analogy, agri agricultural language. In verse 24, there's the image of a farmer who sows or scatters seed. And what is being referenced is the concept of investment versus saving. And again, this is not against saving. That's a different um, uh, discussion and conversation. But it's really investment versus holding onto or hoarding out of fear of loss. 
Okay, so you see the farmer who holds on to seed. Imagine a farmer who doesn't go out and sow the seed into the ground, right? He doesn't scatter. Well, he's not going to grow anything, including his own wealth. He isn't going to produce a harvest, and what he has is all he has, and that will always begin to be diminished. So by holding or hoarding or failure to launch, as it were, you lo- you're going to lose. You're not going to actually grow and gain. Yeah, and what's interesting is, is you know, when Judy always says this, when times are tough, it's the best time to give. So mm. actually what, what usually happens is during a, what I would call an economic downturn that we're kind of seeing right now, like the market is pretty low. Like it's as low as it's been since COVID. And so um, our current administration is not doing a great job, but that's a whole different discussion. But the reality is, is, is it'd be easy to circle the wagons. It'd be easy to say, oh man, I just need to batten down the hatches. I need to tighten the budget mm. and I just need to make it through this downturn. But the reality is, is when you look at investing, you heard me say this on the last podcast, this is the best time to invest because you have people that are scared. You have other people that are not investing. And now by investing, you're able to take advantage of momentum that's out there. And you know that's why we're doing this soap business with the kids is is demonstrating to them the timing of this is critical at a time when you know most logical people would say i need to tighten my budget i'm out here spending mm-hmm. and doing exactly the opposite and i believe wholeheartedly that this is the right thing to do and even if god doesn't reward that with financial investments I know I'm investing in these youth. I know I'm demonstrating to them, here's how you build a business and here's why it's important for them when they grow up. And so it's still an eternal investment. This might not be their forever business. Right. Likely not. Right. But what you're doing and what I love, by the way, we need to, have we already taken the lid off this for our listeners? I don't think so. All right. Well, let's just do a quick uh, heads up for everybody. Uh, One of the things that Jim is doing in, in his discipleship endeavors as an elder, is uh, he is taking some young people, six young people at this point, teenage young people, and is um, teaching them about how to start a business and and how to be uh, thoughtful about how they provide for their families and participate in these uh, particular things that one that they need to know for the future. It's just a valuable teaching tool, especially for homeschooled families. Even Dominion. So so we're going to make soap. And I showed them we're taking fats or oils. We're taking lye, which is readily available, and water. We're taking three things that God has given us naturally, and we're creating something of greater value, creating a bar of soap. Oh, that's great. And so it was a really great analogy for them. But you're not just doing it in a in a sterile classroom. Right. You're, you're going to talk about starting a business by starting a business. And we did. And you did. And uh, it's just, I think it's, I think it's really neat. And I think it's a, a fantastic way to think about discipleship in a very hands-on way. Um, this is, see, what you're doing is not unspiritual, right. but it's a business and there's money involved. Oh, ick, right? That's, that's earthly. No, it's not. Um, this has value because what these young people are learning is how to spiritually, from, in, from the Lord's guidance and his design and his purposes, fulfill and and do what he they were created to do and it's amazing you know we we talk about the bible doesn't talk about economics those foolish people that believe that last week we talked about sustainability like how do you sustain a business like what happens if they do covid 2 and lock us down how do we get fat how do we make lie how do we get water how do we distribute what does our market look like and 
all of those things are biblical principles of being good stewards, not being wasteful with what God has given us. I still remember grandma's jar on the back of the oven with all the grease levels in it. It had, you know, baking grease here and different grease there. And all that was kept in the old days, they'd make soap out of it or grandma would make biscuits out of it. But the reality is they reused everything and they were far better stewards than we are today where we just dispose. We buy a gallon of, you know, palm oil to make soap. If that goes away, can we sustain? Mm-hmm. And the answer with soap business is unequivocally yes. Yeah. So no, I think it's I think it's fantastic. So that's uh, that's behind the curtain of of Jim. <laughs> I won't say it. I won't say it. But go ahead, you can say it. <laughs> of youth pastor Jim, <laughs> and and uh, but no, he's he's uh, he's loving the body. He's discipling young people, and uh, I think it's great. And for you parents, this is the neat part: is we can take this model and repeat it basically every six months. So I can take another squad of six people through it in six months and do the exact same thing. So it's repeatable over and over again. So we'll create a little competition, maybe. Exactly. <laughs> Danny really likes the competition. <laughs> but uh, I think the, the the getting back to our subject at hand, really, if you simply hold on to what you have for fear of loss, right? That's that's the picture here. Right. You won't grow. Like I've got what I, I've got my seed, and I, I need to protect it. Well, if you don't sow it, then it doesn't grow. Uh, and, and you won't. I mean, by the way, you won't stay where you are. You will actually lose. And you're not working it. And this, so you're actually not. That's right. That's, taking dominion. And that's why it's the perfect analogy because that's what's interesting about seed. The idea is that when you sow it, when you scatter it, God's normal design of the earth is that it takes your seed right. and multiplies it. Right. Right. So I, I, I really like the fact that we live in Idaho and, and that we live in an agricultural area where, where where our house is and very different from where I grew up in in Southern California in concrete jungle subdivisionville everything right and so we were surrounded by cornfields and I, I've always been just interested in the sowing process it's pretty interesting with the tractors and the seed planters and all the precision that they have with it they plant this this machine knows what it's doing in terms of the way it's all designed. They plant the corn seed approximately six inches apart. All these things, six inches apart, is very orderly. And that one corn seed will produce a huge seven-foot-plus corn stalk with two ears of corn on each of them. And each of those ears has dozens, then, of kernels. So that one seed produces dozens of kernels. And the point of the author of the proverb here is that in order to increase, in order to make your store of seed and wealth grow, you have to be willing to scatter it and let it go. I love the way that that describes it too, Danny. It's almost like do your work and get out of God's way. I mean, th- there is a huge aspect to he it's is fa- in control. He is in control of your return on those seeds. How much of life and how much of economics is faith? Right. Um, one of these days we'll have to talk about God's amazing price system, right? Because yes. He's in. He's in it all. It's- It's all spiritual. And so the point is you have to invest it. You have to sow it and you have to release it from your grip. And really you're giving it to God, trusting that it will grow and produce a bountiful harvest. And in other words, you have to let go in order to gain. Now that isn't arguing for foolishness or putting everything at risk all the time. It's just pointing to the fact that if you want to grow and increase, which you should, you can't be afraid to launch. Yeah, the get rich right. the get rich scheme here is not take everything you have. <laughs> we are not saying that. No, no, no. So very important. Yeah. Uh, 
disclaimer alert, right? Right. <laughs> you have to you have to do what looks like risk though. Right. And you have to scatter, you have to release, you have to plant, and that is the normal process of growth. And so beware of seeking to protect your money by holding on to it. Right. And we're talking, yes, about real physical resources and assets. Right. The second part of the verse also deals with the heart of business and investment. In verse 24, and there is one who withholds what is justly due, and yet it results only in want. And then so here again is the warning about trying to save your own life, trying to protect what's yours by not paying your bills or by paying not by, by not paying your people. Why? Because I have to protect what's mine. Um, a lot of that also happens when people overextend themselves, they get into, into debt. But this is but this is self-preservation by withholding what is due to someone else. So you can't be a, afraid so as not to scatter and invest. And you can't be afraid and you can't be self-protective so that you don't pay what is owed. You're unjust in holding back yours and not releasing it to actually someone to whom it's due. And so if you think that you can protect yourself and your wealth by holding tightly to your own stuff, the Proverbs point out that's that you're mistaken. It says it results only in want. But how often do people and business owners, employers, small business people get themselves into trouble by not paying what they owe. I'm talking to somebody in the church that, you know, they contracted to have them build a shed and uh, they asked for half the money down. You know, it might be somewhat reasonable to do that, to help so that they can get the supplies and get the things that they need to do that if they're running on that type of, of margin. And they took half the money and then didn't show up and disappeared and can't be contacted and so forth. They're just all over the place. This is, this is not a good way to do business, and it's a difficult way to um, have your reputation go around. But it's this, it's this element where they, they lose trust and they end up going, instead of even working with people and asking for patience or help or, what, or just understanding, uh, maybe it's going to take longer than they originally said, but if you don't follow through and pay your bills and do what you, you say, um, you're going to end up in the poorhouse. And the principle here is that the way to financial and personal health is to keep your financial obligations. And this really speaks again to the, the integrity in business and investment. If you do agree to invest then you, and, and then you pull the rug out from someone because you don't pay what you owe, that's not going to go well for you. And that's, that's the way the Lord has, operated, has, has worked into the world spiritual truth and principles. Just let your yes be yes applies to your finances. 100%. That's right. That's right. 100%. That's right. Such an important concept. That's a spiritual lesson, but it's it affects your I've your talked about life. this over and over again in business. Some of the best business and the best relationships that I've ever built, these long-term 15-year relationships, I started by losing the business. So actually, just because you lose doesn't mean you stop calling on them. You, you, I called on them, and I remember that first time they said, well, Jim, you've lost the business. What are you doing here? And I said, I just want to see how it's going and see how your project's going. And the next thing you know, you start showing up, and you hear it's not going well because the salesperson lied to them. And then they're like, we don't know what to do. We're going to open this up for bid, and I'm going to go, my bid's still good. And they go, you know what, Jim, we're going to work with you because you've been here. And I held on to those relationships forever. And it goes to my integrity of not being willing to give in and do what any other salesperson's doing. And it leads to long-term success, which is biblical. Mm. It's beautiful. No, that's good. Proverbs eleven twenty-five <clears throat> says, The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. 
uh, a great wisdom principle. But what is generosity? Well, first, it's a heart attitude. Generosity is noble and uh, and, and a kind spirit. It is a byproduct of love. And I like this definition. To be generous is to be liberal in giving. Liberal in giving. A good synonym is uh, for that is open-handed. And we tend to think of liberal <laughs> in terms of the political or theological direction, and that's a negative connotation. The idea of being liberal is that you you are loose, you're not restrictive, or you're or miserly, or you're close, um, uh, or you're not close-fisted. Yeah, exactly. You're holding it in the palm of your hand with your fingers open. You're not squeezing it tight, right. clutching it. And the challenge with political or economic liberals is that they are loose with other people's money. I think that's such a, an important, I think, helpful thing to realize. Liberals are loose with other people's stuff. There is a liberal that is um, unprincipled and uncareful as a steward, right? That's, that's your political, economic, theological liberal. Um, it's a fiscal liberal. He's loose with other people's money. He spends, 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 prints, 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 right? They are generous with other people's money, not their own. A liberal in terms of morality or religious orthodoxy, he's loose with ideas that don't conform to the truth. He goes outside the boundaries of orthodoxy and is open-minded about things that, again, don't belong to him. You don't have the right to be loose with things that God says are true, truth is outside of him, but he is willing, he is generous, (laughs) he's liberal in his thinking to go beyond the boundaries of truth and morality as if he had the authority to do so. And that's what liberalism really, really is about, really, really does, is it plays outside the lines that God has declared are the lines. See, and that's the point is God is consistent in his character. And so his spiritual applications absolutely apply physical. And so blessed are the merciful for they shall receive what? Mercy. It's the idea if, if you're generous, he's going to be generous with you. It's just, it, it's a fact. It's a, it's a biblical truth and it plays out in real life, not always in the financial realm. So, so you don't, in the, in the theological realm, you don't get to be liberal and loose with the right. gays. Right. Why? Because that's not yours to be loose with. That's right. That belongs to somebody else right. who has determined this. And so when we think of conserving, we think of of holding on to. Um, We're conserving truth. So conservatives right. also need to be liberal. Right. In terms of generosity, but with but with the things that we are with, that's why conservatism, I believe, is so grounded in Christian in a Christian understanding. It doesn't make sense to be a conservative outside of Christianity, because Christianity affirms for us what it is we are to be conserving, but it also tells us about how it is we are to be liberal. We are to be liberal with our things, with the things that God has given permission to be liberal with, but not with the things that that belong to God. Don't be liberal with that which God has right. uh, has ordered and designed, right? And so we have to be mindful of that. The good kind of liberalism or liberality is synonymous with generosity. Right. But generosity is only good when you have the right to be loose or to be open-handed, to give to others from a kind-hearted intention for them. And so in this way, God, don't, don't lose your lunch here, God is a liberal. God is a liberal, and I'm reminded of James 1.5. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And the King James uh, translates that generously as 
liberally. Maximum freedom. Right. Maximum liberation. Happy to share. Happens under God's precepts. Yes. 100%. That's right. So he has wisdom that belongs to him. And he and basically this is saying he is happy, kind-hearted to give you what he has. See, and this is what I like about Doug. I'm going to give Doug props up there because th- they will say that when you when you go to Moscow, y- you should sense a difference. Mm-hmm. And you know we experienced we experienced that, Danny. We went up there and we, we didn't know them from Jack, right? And they invited us into the podcast. They invited us to lunch with Doctor White. They were incredibly liberal with their time mm. and not hoarding, going, oh, I've got Dr. White. I can talk to him and build a relationship long-term. I'm too busy for they you. They were free, right? and they treated us as brothers. Right. So, and, and look, John MacArthur does the same thing. When we go down there, we're treated unbelievable. So th- there is, it, it's in both camps, but I just want to give props out that that's the way we should live. That's, that's We should the, live with that joy. That's the imaging of God. That's the... That's the imitating God right. as being like him. Right. Because he is liberal. Right. Not in the not not in that political theological realm. He right. establishes the boundaries and the borders. Um, right. But um, but that, that looseness comes with his kindness. And that's what he's talking about. So a key element of our personal finances and investment is this idea of again being liberal or loose or generous with what belongs to you. You are willing to give, you are willing to give much, you are willing to be open-handed with your resources, and the Book of Wisdom says that that person is the one who prospers. That's that That's that paradox, apparent paradox, right, where it seems like if you give away, if you're generous with your stuff, you're going to be the one to lose, and the Bible says, not true, that you, that you gain by giving away. He actually says, test me in this and see if I don't pour open the storehouse. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean. Rain down on Rain you. down. Right. And so it may seem like you keep what you hold on to. Again, the scripture says the increase and the flow into your storehouse it comes at a far greater level when the outflow is generous. Now, in the New Testament, one of the greatest discussions of this subject of generous investment in the kingdom of God, namely the ministering to God's people, is actually 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. And I want you to listen first to 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 4. It says, Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. Whoa, there's some loaded terms there, right? (laughs) For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. So what a great heart of liberality and generosity. And so what's happening here is that the... Jerusalem saints, uh, they are under heavy persecution. You can imagine why, right? You, you suddenly have a, a spreading, a, a fire of the gospel going forth in, among the Jews in Israel. Uh, people are getting saved. The church is being birthed. But it's, it's now a, a foreign body, if you will, in Jerusalem because the, the, this does not sit well with the Jewish establishment, with the Jewish leaders. And we already know about what the Apostle Paul was up to in his zeal for 
stamping out Christianity. Well, that spirit and that effort continued, and Christians were being persecuted, and they were suffering. And imagine, so for instance, imagine you're uh, a Jewish laborer, a a Jewish employee, but now you are a Christian. And we were even talking, I think the other day, about the significance of, of how Jewish people really like to look for each other, to identify, are you one of, are you a, a brother, right? Are you a brother? Are you a sister? Are you one of us? Are you, are you Jewish? And there's, a, there's just a, a family connection that's made when you find that. But when you have, and we recognize this in other, other, other contexts, but when you have now someone who is a quote, defector from your, from your religion, um, perhaps you fire them. Or you get, or you make it hard for them. You don't. You actually don't pay them what their what their wages are. And so now you are really outside of the mainstream of culture. They're outside of the mainstream of the economics of that nation. They are applying maximum pressure to the believers in that area. And so what's happening in, in this context is that um, word has gone out to the other churches in the surrounding areas of and in, in, in Asia Minor and all these different churches, and they're taking a collection so that they can bring back this offering, this collection of resources and money to serve the saints who are suffering in the Jerusalem church. And so Paul is happy to do so. Paul has no qualms about asking for, uh, for help and, and for the churches to be generous. But now he's writing to the church at Corinth, and he's letting them know, by the way, guys, there's a group of Macedonian believers, and they are actually living with affliction and in poverty themselves. These are poor people. And yet, when they heard about their brothers and sisters who they've never met in Jerusalem who are suffering, even from their poverty, they begged us, can we do something? Can we help? And the beauty of it is the generosity, not in the amount given. Right. The beauty was in the heart of the people. And Brandon shared something with us, uh, the men on Slack, about um, the campaign that he's running. It's beautiful. And probably the guy that's given the most is this gentleman. I think it was he's committed to paying five dollars a month till the till the um, election. Right. And this man did is has done so. This is what Brandon was sharing, right? He's done so out of his poverty, right? Because of love and and wanting to do something. I can't do much, but I can do something, and I want to be a part. So this is important because we talked earlier about when we were sowing seeds, like don't necessarily give it all away. But there are biblical times. There are times for sacrificial giving. Now, if you want to talk about that, please come find me. We've done it twice where we have truly given sacrificially, and each time we were blessed beyond measure. And so. There is a time for it. It's very unique. You've got to be very thoughtful and careful yeah. and prayerful about it. But there is times for that. And you know, this is a great example. This man is giving out of his poverty. Yeah. And he will be blessed for it by God. It's just, it's the principle of, of sowing and reaping and it's applicable. Yeah. So. And and I think you make a great point there, Jim. I think, look, I've grown up in the church and we've had those challenges of being in churches where the pressure is is just applied so often. And a, a lot of times uh, we've been in the churches where the pressure is applied and the church is overextended. The church is is p- applying the pre- this pressure because the church is worried, because the church has made some foolish decisions in their stewardship. Right. The church has gone into debt, and so et cetera, et cetera, or they want to go into debt. So now we really need you to 
to now we really have to have you be generous or so forth. And I'm really happy, Jim, that we are able to have this conversation now when we're not, we don't, we're not coming to you and our listeners, we're not coming to you saying, now is the time to be generous and you need to be generous and you're not being generous and, and browbeating and complaining. We actually have wonderfully generous people. And I think it's really important what you just said is, look, there might be a time where we need to say, you know, brothers and sisters, this is the direction that needs to, this is a need. This is the direction that we're wanting to go. Would you consider being generous? We saw this with Solomon when, when he built the temple. We so saw this, yep. We see it right here as another great example. So this, there are point. biblical times. Uh, now is not one of them. We're talking yeah. about investing and growth and sanctification. Yeah. And so, but, I would say, I would say, be faithful where you are right. and invest your money and save up and those types of things. But 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 have a heart generally right. that whenever an opportunity is given, whether it has, I mean, I have nothing to do with the church as our institution and right. and, and so forth. It may be just someone in the body. And I and I love the, the recent examples, Jim, of uh, people being generous and giving to p- people in the church that were in need, and they didn't. It didn't have to be filtered through the church. Right. They could just be generous to a brother or sister. Those are the best, the ones we don't know about, truthfully. But, yeah, that's right. But then there's also, look, we had the one with Hannah Mae. Mm-hmm. And the generosity continues. 100%. People saying, I'd like to be a part of of framing that. I'd like to be a part. I mean, even, even we'll just embarrass him. We'll, we'll say, you know, Kelly points out, I can't frame, but I can lift, I can carry a board from one place to another. So I want to be a part. Right. The, those are the heart of generosity. Th- that is, um, uh, when we took the offering for Hannah Mae, people were ready and they're primed. Right. And we need to be mindful about opportunities. We don't, we don't have to manufacture them all the time just to make sure that we're trying to separate you from your money. That's not what we're about. Yeah. Um, but we want to, we want to be mindful. And, and I appreciate, I just want to compliment our church for how many people that I have seen who, um, who have a heart of generosity and, and, and people we don't see, right? Yeah. But the but the heart of generosity that says, I want to be a part. And and it whether we have a lot, which we do, um, or whether we don't, the attitude of the Macedonians begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. Can I be a part of that somehow? Right. right? It, whatever that looks like, I, it might be about my $5, which you go, well, that's nothing. No, the Lord takes... Uh, uh, five loaves and two fish and multiplies it. It seems like nothing, but when you have that type of heart, the, uh, when you plant that seed, and I'm not going to be a prosperity preacher here, right? But when you plant that seed, it is a principle that the Lord uses it to be a blessing. And the Macedonians here, this is a beautiful example, the Macedonians did what they did, Paul took it, and then goes and tells the Corinth, the Corinthian church. And perhaps because of the Macedonians' heart, right. people in Corinth would be motivated, be like, wow, that is wonderful. I should not hold on to my stuff out of my wealth. And that's the interesting thing about, about uh, the Corinth. So Corinth, Corinth is a city uh, that is a coastal trade city. It is a much more wealthy and affluent area than the churches in Macedonia. So Paul is now going to a heavy hitter, if you will, and, and, and seeking to teach them about this concept of liberality, of generosity, and he uses the illustration of their brothers and sisters in Macedonia. We're, we're talking about the issue of the saints who are in Jerusalem, and now he's going to this well-off church, which it seems like the Macedonians, they already had it in their hearts. Corinth might need a little bit of some education, right? right? They need some help. They need some discipleship. But later in chapter 8, Paul identifies that, by the way, he goes, Jesus gave the most. 
<laughs> so you can't you can't outgive that. But he said he gave the, the point of the poverty of giving out of poverty or giving to the point of poverty so that we would become rich. Jesus did. Paul is encouraging the Corinthians then to participate generously in the collection and the initiative that is going around the churches of Asia Minor in order to support the suffering church in Jerusalem. And points out others gave something out of their poverty, but Corinth, again, being that economic center of commerce and prosperity, I think he had a higher expectation for them in what they were able to do. 2 Corinthians 8, 13 and 14. For this is not for the ease of others and for your affliction. So this is not trying to this is not socialism, Jim. This is not just redistribution. Right. This is not. Um, this is not taking from you, so that you're harmed, so that you get hurt, so that others might be have a, an easy life. That is not what this is about. He goes at this present time, your abundance being a supply for their need, so that their abundance also may become a supply for your need, that they may be that there may be equality. He's really talking about the equality of the saints in 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 that and that in meeting each other's needs, uh, we're not uh, viewing each other in um, in a hierarchical fashion, but that we would recognize the equality of one another and that we would all be concerned about meeting each other's needs. I love that picture in Exodus too. It's the, it's they all gathered. Some gathered a whole bunch and had nothing left over. Some gathered very little and they lacked nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, God provides exactly what we need to eat. Every day. That's right. It's it, a beautiful picture. It really is. It is funny, right? Sometimes you can eat a little bit and you're like, I'm actually just full. Yep. I'm fine. The, those, <laughs> There's just things that you can't always just equate to. Uh, it's not all just math, right? right? <laughs> right. It's not just math. Right. Uh, listen now to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verses 5 to 15. So I thought it necessary to urge the brethren that they would go on ahead to you and arrange beforehand your previously promised bountiful gift, so that the same would be ready as a bountiful gift and not affected by covetousness. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always, having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. I just need to stop right there. We are talking about money, and we're talking about uh, good works, and we're talking about righteousness. So all three things are there. It's back to the, it's right. physical blessing, it's a spiritual blessing, and it's a good work. That's right. And he says in verse 11, you will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. It's worship, right? Right. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. So in this generosity, in this liberality of sharing physical resources of being uh, providing a, a bountiful gift he says it overflows in areas you're not even you might not appreciate and i want to tell you paul says that thanksgiving and worship to god you are causing that to happen by the way in which you use and steward the resources god has given you work is worship because of the proof given by this ministry they will glorify god for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ, so your resources, 
relate to your confession. Do you actually live what you claim to believe? See, and that's the beauty of Hannah May. It's, yes, there's a biblical case for this, 100%. That's what we put forth. And there's unequivocally a need. But the blessings that come out of that, and and frankly, the ministry that happens out of that, and and the the representative of Christ to the community, to her parents, to to her relatives, it's so impactful. It's not just a physical house, even though it is. That's right. So much more than that. It's much more than that. And it says, uh, the, uh, for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all, while they also, by prayer on your behalf, yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So when you're participating in it, you are giving God's gift. And on top of that, Notice the connection, the, the, the joy and the love that they share together uh, because of, out of gratitude. When, when you are participating in generosity with people, with your stuff, it, it, it endears you. I think that's the right term, right? Yep. It endears you to one another. Right. So much so that, guess what? They're now praying for you because of love for you. And they want to do it to someone else, and you want to do it again. That's right. It's a beautiful picture. That's right. Over and over and over again. Well, let's. I just want to highlight some of the uh, key points in this text here. The difference between bountiful versus sparingly. What's the difference, Jim? Bountiful versus sparingly. Yeah, bountiful is overflowing, and sparingly is that you're counting it before you give it. It's it's the difference between, you know. Large and just a little, right? Right. I I just want to dip my foot in the pool, right? My my, my toe in the pool, or whether or not I'm going to jump all in, right? And it's not the amount; things. it's the attitude, right? And, and it's yeah, and it's it's that element of desire and doing what you can do, right? As much as you can do, right? Right. Uh, also, purposed in his heart versus grudgingly and under compulsion, right? What's the difference there? Oh, it's huge, right? I mean, your attitude. So that's your spiritual attitude towards what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So if you give of the wrong intent and the wrong attitude, it's. I feel like I have to, right? Because if I don't, someone's going to know, or if I don't, you know, or the, the pastor is really making me do it. Yeah, we don't uh, want you giving. N- don't because you're actually you're actually really close to sinning at that point. You, you're. You're to the you're you're on the fringe of sinning. You're you're literally putting yourself in a position where you're tempted because you're going to look at what is happening and think you could have done it better. The purposing in your heart points to that. We always talk about the idea of a free will offering. Right. This is from your heart what you determine to 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 give, and and that's the heart where you find joy. The other one doesn't bring about that joy because uh, it's 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 as if you were held down right. and y- y- a gun was put to your head. So that's why you pulled out your wallet, right? That's not the that's not to be the occasion. That's not the way that that church leaders and elders should be pressuring and manipulating people. Right. Um, and and that's not how each person should take it. It's it's of the Lord. You are to he he wants you to do so because you love to and that's it's your desire. Being generous and giving to spiritual causes, by the way, a spiritual cause means uh, meets physical needs. It's true. Yep. Brings all sufficiency in everything. Paul says that is the abounding grace from God who sees and is involved, and He wants your involvement. 
And that's that that wonderful element of we, of all of us being together. We're all participating in the work of the ministry. And so in wrapping it up today, we are just highlighting that God's Word teaches us to be investors. Our investment is to be in kingdom things and in kingdom people. We are doing what we are doing in order to bring about and, and to uh, participate in God's purposes and God's for God's people to then prosper. And so beware of holding tightly to what you think you need to protect for yourself, rather sow and scatter. Of course, we're talking about using wisdom and there are proper occasions for these things, but looking for opportunities and having that heart ready that you are holding on to all of your stuff loosely, ready to be liberal with your possessions. Be a blessing, again, with liberality. And the principle from heaven is that you will find that you will be full. God supplies all of our needs when we have love for him and his people in our hearts. This, well, this is our one of our favorite phrases, Jim. This is God's normative means. Normative means, 100%. His normative means are for his people to live with open hearts and, uh, and open lives, being generous towards one another and pursuing investment in God's kingdom and in, and in the things that matter to him. Well, that's all the time that we have for Truth Today. We want to thank you for joining us. Until next time, we hope that you will grow in your love and commitment to Christ and his church. As we are sanctified in the truth, God's word is truth.